musicians. Thank you for your prayers today, Elder Brown, and for the prayers of God's people throughout this auditorium today. We are going to study the Word of God. I hope that you have your Bible with you. And I invite you now to bow your head as we pray. Dear Father in heaven, we do come in total praise to you. You are the strength of our life. You're the source of our hope. And as we open the word to be further fortified in these means, we ask, Lord, that you will speak to us. And may we be willing and obedient in Jesus' name. Amen. Our subject today is Prisoners of Hope. Prisoners of Hope. And I would like for you to go with me to the book of I to the book of Zechariah, to the book of Zechariah, from which we read just a moment ago. The book of Zechariah, chapter 9. Zechariah chapter 9. And I will read just the last two of the several verses that were read by young brother Jezreel. Chapter 9, Zechariah, verses 11 and 12. As for thee also, by the blood of thy covenant, I have sent forth thy prisoners out of the pit wherein there is no water. And let me pause here, because you see, back in Bible days, very often, when an enemy invaded, they would capture the soldier or the citizen and put him or her in a deep pit with no water. A deep pit with no water. And that was a sure sign that death would soon ensue. God says here to his children, to his people, by the blood of the covenant, I have sent forth thy prisoners out of the pit wherein there is no water. Turn you to the stronghold, ye prisoners of hope. Even today do I declare that I will render double unto thee. Turn you who have been released from the pit where there is no water. Turn ye prisoners of hope. Even today do I declare that I will render double unto you. Our topic is prisoners of hope. Prisoners of hope. The Bible has many ways of characterizing or labeling the followers of God. We're called in the Bible sheep. We're called servants. We're called the family of God. 
We're called disciples, we're called children, we're called an army. And there are other ways that the Bible has of labeling God's people. But this one here in Zechariah is perhaps one of the most suggestive and meaningful of them all. For here, God calls his people prisoners, prisoners of hope. The situation in Zechariah's time was that the Jews were still adjusting from captivity. Nebuchadnezzar had gone into their city and with his Babylonian armies he had taken the people captive and taken many Daniel and the Hebrew boys included into Babylon. And from the grips of Babylon they had been passed on to Media Persia and for 70 years they had suffered slavery. But finally under Artaxerxes and Darius, they were given permission to go back home to Jerusalem. And now many years had passed, but they were still confused. Some of them had hung back in Babylon. Others had gone to Jerusalem to try to rebuild the walls and the temple. But they were having difficulty. And many were in between Babylon and Jerusalem, surrounded by their enemies and fearful and afraid. They were depressed and confused. And God saw the condition, the confused, discouraged, fearful, scattered position of his people. And he sent the message through Zechariah to these who felt trapped and depressed and abandoned, victims of unhappy circumstances with low spirits and confidence down, and in their deepest hour of depression, God said, I have brought you from the pit where there is no water, now turn you to the stronghold, ye prisoners of hope. And what does all this mean and how does it apply to you and me today? Well, all of us have been in captivity. We've all been captured in sin. We have all been slaves to Satan. And we have all lived under circumstances of guilt and confusion and regret. We've all been trapped as long as we've lived in these bodies of evil. And there is no way out on our own. And God's word comes to us today saying, turn ye, turn ye. I can bring you out of the pit where there is no water and I command you, I invite you, turn to the stronghold, ye prisoners of hope. That is the promise that when we leave the captivity of the world, when we join the Christian ranks, when we come to Jesus, we are no longer held in guilt. We are no longer mesmerized and hypnotized by materialism. We're no longer fascinated by fame. 
or fixated by the flesh. We have been delivered from the pit from which we have been captured, in which we have been captives. And we are now delivered from the pit of sin and turning to the stronghold, we are all now prisoners of hope. Amen. We who had no hope, we are surrounded by hope. That's what it means. Prisoners of hope, we are restricted, we are bordered by hope, we are governed by hope. We are, when we come to Jesus, locked in by hope. And since we are so completely and utterly affected by hope, perhaps we'd better know what hope is. What is hope? Hope is desire plus expectation. All right? What is hope? Hope is desire plus what? It is wish coupled with anticipation. Hope is the look-alike child of faith. A lot of people get faith and hope mixed up. But if we're prisoners of hope, we'll better understand what hope really is. Faith is trusting, but hope is expecting. Faith is holding, but hope is reaching. Faith is yielding, but hope is yearning. Faith is confidence in, hope is wishing for. Faith is believing in the promiser, and hope is looking for the promise. Faith takes us by the hand and leads us from the pit in which there is no water. Faith takes us out of the pit, away from the dark fields of sin and the frightening valleys of fear and the empty wells of unbelief and the dangerous alleys of transgression into the fold of Christian love where hope takes over. Of course, everybody alive is in one prison or the other, either in the prison of sin, where we are slaves of Satan, or we are in the stronghold of faith where we are prisoners of love. I'd rather be a prisoner of love and hope. How about you? And what do prisoners of sin hope for? Well, most of all, those who believe in anything hope that when they die, they'll go to heaven. But while they're on earth, they base their hopes on blind luck. I was in the company of a gentleman the other day who said to me as we were together, he said, 
do you mind if I smoke? And I said, well, I don't smoke, and I, you know, I, I didn't want to insult him, but I said, I don't smoke, and I kind of try to stay away from it. I think that's how I put it. He said, well, I'll turn and blow the other way. <laughs> and I didn't want to stop it there. I wanted to be of some help to him if I could. So I said, well, you know, that's bad for you anyway. He said, well, I don't know. I'm doing all right. You got to die from something. And I said, yes, but why hasten your death? And then he started loud talking. He said, I know folk live 100 and they smoke every day. And I know some folk don't smoke and they die in their 30s. And I said, yes, that happens. But meanwhile, why are you taking a chance on cancer and on ruining your life and shortening your existence? He said, well, you can't go till your, till your number's up. Everybody's got a time and you can't go. Just blind luck. So then I was praying, Lord, help me somehow to answer this man. So I said, sir, would you get on that roof and jump off? He said, no, why would I want to get off the roof and jump off? I said, well, why would you want to smoke? Same thing. Blind luck. Wait till your number's up. People who are still prisoners of sin have hope in money, hope in the lottery. That's the way some of these municipalities get rich because people are hoping to hit it big. Hope in education. Some place their hopes in themselves and their good deeds. And a lot of people put their hopes in their human connection saying it's not what you know, but it's who you know. But I'm here to declare to you today that they are all false hopes. Luck is deceiving, fame is fleeting, and the arm of flesh will fail you. Prisoners of sin are building their houses on the sand and they will all crumble in the day of judgment and burn at the end of the millennium. But what about us, the prisoners of hope? What do we hope for? We know what they hope for. What do we hope for? Well, the Bible tells us. Look in the book of Psalms. And Psalm, the 33rd chapter, the 18th verse, gives us one of the precious things for which we hope. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy. Number one, prisoners of hope are always looking for and hoping for, longing for mercy. Mercy and justice are the two great sides of God, two spheres of God, two dimensions of God. Mercy and justice, that's all he is. Everything God is is wrapped up in mercy and justice. Justice represents the penalty for our sins. Mercy represents the pardon for our sins. And we who are prisoners of hope are longing and looking for mercy for forgiveness, for a clean record, and for a clear conscience. But that's not all. 
In the book of Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 8, we have something else that we prisoners of hope are hoping and praying to receive. But let us who are of the day, these prisoners of hope, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love for an helmet, the hope of salvation. Number two, prisoners of hope are longing for salvation. Mercy is pardon and forgiveness. Salvation is rescue. So we, prisoners of hope, are longing for something, yearning for something, reaching for something, and that something in addition to forgiveness of our sins, in addition to asking God to give us a clean conscience and a clean record, in addition to asking God for his mercy, we also ask for his rescue. We ask him to take us out of the pit. We ask him to, to relieve us of our addictions. We ask him to rescue us from our ungodly habits, to save us from our life of sin, to not only forgive us, but to rescue us from our evil imaginations and our guilt feelings and rescue us from these internal urges. We prisoners of hope want salvation. And number three, in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 13, we have a third item for which we Christians are ever hoping and longing. The word of God reminds us, wherefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So we hope for mercy, we hope for rescue, and we hope for grace. And whereas mercy is pardon, and salvation is rescue, grace is the freedom now to go out and live a new life. Grace is the second chance that God gives us. Grace is letting us start over again. We've been forgiven, we've been rescued, now we have the grace to go and live the new life in Christ Jesus. And there's a fourth scripture that I want you to note. And this is in the book of Galatians chapter 5, verse 5, which says, For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. Prisoners of hope long for righteousness by faith. Now what is righteousness by faith? Righteousness by faith is the substitution of Jesus' life for your life and my life. And why do we need to hope for that? Because we know that our lives will never get us through the gates of glory. So we have to hope for the righteousness of Christ to cover us so that when God looks at us, he doesn't see us, really. 
He sees Jesus' robe of righteousness covering us, and that is how we are saved. But we not only look and long for mercy and salvation and grace and righteousness, the book of Acts, Acts chapter 24, reminds us, verse 15, and have hope toward God, which they themselves allow, that there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. So the fifth thing that we hope for, we prisoners of hope, is a resurrection. We hope for life again, for dry bones that have rotted in the grave, and we've all lost loved ones. We've all lost friends. We put them in the mausoleums where they rot. Or we put them in the ground where they rot. Or we've taken them to the crematory where they're reduced to ashes. But we have hope of a resurrection. Amen. Therefore, 1 Thessalonians 4.13 says, We sorrow not. As others who have no what? Hope. Others who have no hope. One of my favorite stories is about the two little boys who were standing at the mouth of the cave. And one little boy looked in that dark cave with the broken down gate and the lumber rotting. And he told his little buddy, go on in, go on in. And the second one says, I don't want to go in. And the first one says, why don't you go? You, you go on in, see what's in there. And the second one says, I don't want to go. And the first one says, well, it's all right. Go on in. I see tracks going in. And the second one said, that's the problem. I see tracks going in, but I don't see any tracks coming out. But when we look at Jesus' grave, we see tracks going in. And praise God, we see tracks coming out. And therefore, we have hope in the resurrection but that isn't all number six in the book of titus chapter three verse seven we are told that we have hope of eternal life hope to recover what adam lost hope that we will be given everlasting life and that's beyond our imagination but whatever it means, we prisoners of hope are looking and longing for everlasting life. Number six. And number seven, Titus 2.13 says, we hope in the second coming of Jesus. And that is the blessed hope. And of course, this is one of the key scriptures in all the word of God. So let's read it. Let me read it for you. Titus chapter 2 verse 13. Looking for that blessed hope. What kind of hope everybody? And the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. We look for his appearing. And we are pilgrims traveling through this evil world. We are in the world, but not of the world. We are different. We have been transplanted from the kingdom of darkness 
to the kingdom of light and our common hope is in the coming of the Lord. We don't know when. But that's our hope. We don't know whether we'll be alive when he comes again. But that's our hope. We know that the circumstances are right. We see the signs fulfilling. And our hearts yearn and our cry is, how long, oh Lord, how long we have hope in the second coming of our Lord. And finally, Colossians 1 verse 5 tells us that there is yet another element for which we Christians must hope. Colossians chapter 1. For hope, verse 5, for hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. We Christians look for heavenly rewards. Not just eternal life, but streets of gold and mansions that he's gone to prepare. And 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9 says, I have not seen nor ear heard neither hath entered into the heart of men and women what God has prepared. We can't even imagine what's up there. Our mental apparatus is not sufficient to, to decode the materials of heaven. We cannot decipher. We, we cannot conceive. Even if we saw it now, we wouldn't recognize it because it is beyond our ability to understand. But that is what we do and that is how we live. And even though we can't see it, we believe it and we hope. In fact, if we could see it, we wouldn't need hope. Romans 8, 24, where hope is seen, it is not. For what a man seeth, why should he hope for? We are hoping for what we cannot see, and we are longing for these great rewards. But the truth is, even though we can identify these several things for which we hope, we Christians don't have to go around picking these precious golden leaves from the tree of hope and promise because all of these hopes that we can identify in the word of God, all of them are wrapped up in one package and the name on that package is Jesus Christ our Lord. When we have Jesus, when we know Jesus, we have all. We have everything. When we know Jesus, we have mercy and salvation and grace and righteousness and resurrection and eternal life and the second coming and eternal rewards. That's what Paul meant when he wrote in Colossians 2 verse 10, Ye are complete in him. It's all wrapped up in Jesus. He is the stronghold. He is our David who slays the Goliath. He is our second Adam who has come and started where the first Adam started and he has succeeded where the first Adam fell. Jesus is the hope 
of the nations. Jesus is the hope of eternal life. Jesus is the hope of the human race. We have put all of our eggs in that basket. We put all of our money there. We put all of our energies there. He has captivated our attention and won our allegiance. And he is our only hope. But our relationship with him is not automatic. No, sir. We must do our part to keep this relationship with Christ and this hope alive. We prisoners of hope must keep hope alive. And how do we do that? We do that by reading his word. Remember, hope is the child of faith. And Romans 10, 17 says, faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. So you can back that up, you see. You read the word and you get hearing. You get hearing, you get faith. You get faith, you get hope. So keep on reading the word. That's how we keep hope alive. That is what gives us staying power. It's interesting to observe that most prisoners want out. They want release from their situation. Prisoners are always angling for parole. They, they, they even escape when they can. They dig ditches and they claw tunnels and they climb fences looking for some way to get from behind those locked doors. But not those of us who are prisoners of hope. We're not angling for release, except that we are relieved when Jesus comes again and hope becomes reality. But while we're here, we prisoners of hope, we are under voluntary imprisonment. The doors are open. The gates are labeled goodness and mercy. The guards are angels who are watching over us night and day. Our cellmates are our fellow members who are hoping to leave here with Jesus when he comes. The food that they serve, that we eat, is the bread of life, the word of God. And the warden, the warden who keeps the records of us prisoners of hope is Jesus himself who says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest and turn ye, ye escapees from the pit, turn ye to the stronghold, ye prisoners of hope. And when we do, when we fasten our attention on Jesus who is our stronghold, a lot of wonderful things will happen to us. First of all, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3, the Bible says that when we are locked in on Christ, we prisoners of hope, we will be given something that every one of us knows we need. Remembering 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 3, 
without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope. Praise the Lord. When you are studying his word, when the prisoner of hope locks in on the word of God, one of the first things that happens to your personality is you get patience. Anybody here need more patience? Then keep on reading and studying the word, you prisoner of hope. Prisoners of hope who feast on the word get patience. Hebrews 3.6 tell us, tells us something else that happens with these prisoners of hope. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 6 but Christ as a son over his own house whose house are we if we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Three things here in this one verse. Number one Hebrews says that when we hope unto the end, in other words, hope brings endurance. A person who doesn't have hope has given up. If you don't have hope, you, you have nothing for which to live. If you don't have hope, I don't know if you've ever been there. I, I've never in my life been where I didn't have hope. There have been a few times when I was feeling almost like there was no hope. But I can't imagine what it must be like to have no hope, just to know it's all over, no hope, no, no outlook, no good prognosis, just hopeless. But when you have hope, the word of God says, you have power to endure unto the end. And a little earlier in the sentence it says, we have confidence, that is, we trust and believe, and I like the middle word, the rejoicing of the hope. We also have joy. Amen. When we prisoners of hope study the word, we get endurance for our trials. We get confidence that no matter what happens, all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. And we have rejoicing. We have joy in the Holy Ghost. Hope brings happiness. Hope brings a rosy outlook. Hope gives us reason to smile and to sing. Hope gives us a reason to get up in the morning. Hope gives us power and joy and confidence. And 1 Peter 3.15 helps to round this out. 1 Peter 3.15 says, hope also brings us knowledge. And you know how it says that? It says that we should be ready to give a reason for the what that is within us. For the what? Let me read it. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. In other words, if you got this hope, you will also have to know how to explain your hope. 
not asking Pastor Lewar or Pastor O'Bannon or somebody else, but you should be able to explain your hope. And as we study the Word of God and keep our connection with the stronghold, we get information and we learn and we're able to give a reason for what we believe and why we believe. And 2 Corinthians 3 verse 12 gives us a final benefit of embracing hope. 2 Corinthians 3 12, the Word of God says, seeing then that we have such hope, we have such what? Such hope, we use great plainness of speech. And some translations say we use great boldness of speech. In other words, when you have hope, you can be bold about your faith. Hope allows you to be plain and bold and open about not what you believe, but in whom you believe. And that is how hope springs eternal. And that is why 1 Corinthians 15, 19 says, if in this life only we have hope, we are of all men most miserable. And yet there are a lot of people who are walking through this life without hope in the sprawling cities of today. That's why they're drinking themselves to death. That's why they're on drugs. That's why in our big cities, in our big cities, we have so many gangs. These young men are without hope. Some of it's their fault and some is not. Obama is right. And they can say what they want about his bitter remarks. But the truth of the matter is that there are plenty of people bitter. They're turning not only to guns, they're turning to all kinds of crime and all kinds of other evil addictions because they don't have hope. They don't have hope. And because they don't have hope, they are destroying themselves and destroying others but you and I have the stronghold and our invitation today is turn to the stronghold. You who have been delivered from the pit of addiction and sin and evil, turn to the stronghold, you prisoner of hope. 6,000 years ago, Adam and Eve sinned and our world was plunged into darkness with no hope. Adam couldn't save us because he was a fallen human. The angels couldn't save us. They weren't human. They were above human, but only one equal with God and the law could die for the breaking of the law. The unfallen worlds couldn't save us we were all without hope, but God found a way by activating the plan of salvation. And yet while Adam and Eve were cringing in the wake of their crime, he gave them hope. He said in Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between her seed and thy seed as he was talking to the Satan who had destroyed their hope. 
He said, and you will bruise his heel, speaking of Jesus, who would suffer a temporary wound, but he will bruise your head, Satan. And that was the first promise of a redeemer and the first promise of hope for the human race. Later on, it was repeated to Abraham. And he told Abraham, through you, Abraham, I will bless all nations of the earth. And Abraham, I'm going to give you in your old age a son. And Abraham had to hope against hope, the Bible says, that his loins could produce a child in his old age, but he built his altars and he made his sacrifices and on through the centuries, every time a lamb was slain, it was a promise of hope, a promise that a redeemer would come, a promise that this world, the only fallen planet amongst all of God's other worlds, would be rescued and saved. And after 4,000 years, he came. The word is, a voice was heard in heaven saying, A body thou hast prepared for me. And Jesus came and brought hope. That was his primary mission. He came and through mercy and forgiveness and healing, he brought hope. And the people who sat in darkness, Isaiah 60, gross darkness, saw light. A great light was shining in darkness in a time when the world's citizenry looked more after 4,000 years of sin's denigration. Humanity looked more like the animals in the forest than the people God had made in the Garden of Eden. But Jesus came when sin was at its height and humanity was at its lowest when people were dragging themselves along the ground in their wretched uh, sicknesses and diseases, when mental depravity was rampant, and when longevity was in the latter 20s, you were an old man when you got to be 30. Jesus came when the world was at its worst, and he brought hope. But they didn't want hope. They wanted healing. And they wanted food. But when he told them that along with healing and food, they'd have to live right, they arrested him in the garden. And they strung him up on the cross. They charged him with treason. And Satan was hoping that he could get rid of him. That was his hope. That he would get rid of him so he could keep this world as his own forever. But when he killed him, he lost his case. When he killed Jesus, he assisted in his death. He directed his assassination. And when Jesus died, his blood became the penalty that brought us hope. His blood brought us pardon. His blood brought us grace. His blood brought us righteousness. His blood brought us salvation. His blood brought us eternal life. And he didn't stay dead. He rose up from the grave and said, I will come again. And today he invites you, dear listener on the radio, he invites you, my brother, sister here in this auditorium, to turn to the stronghold 
Whatever your situation in life today, no matter how dark it is or dreary it is, no matter what kind of sin you've been mixed up in, I promise you today, Jesus brings hope. Jesus gives help. Jesus raises not only the physical dead, but the spiritual dead. And by his promise, he will not only take you into his care, he will give you double, the text says. He'll make it better in the future than it's ever been before. All he wants is for you to say yes. yes. All he wants is for you to say, I'm willing to enter into this contract. I'm willing to give up all my addictions. I'm willing to throw out all the trash under the mattress. I'm willing through prayer and fasting. I'm willing to reconstruct my life. Yes, sir. I want you, the strong, to accept my consecration. And I'll say, yes, Lord. I'll say yes. begin with those already in the household of faith. You and I live in a troubled world and a troubled day. A day when we see prophecy fulfilling when the President of the United States goes to meet the Pope at the airport. A day when our nation is talking about further recession and depression. A day when foreclosures are multiplying and Nevada leads the nation. A day when people have lost all shame. A day when there are no restraints. I want to know if you're happy to be a prisoner of hope. Are you glad to be counted among those who are locked in with hope in Jesus? If so, would you stand with me now and say yes, Lord? And I want to keep my hope alive. I want to keep my hope alive by studying your word. Don't let the devil or anybody take away your hope. Don't let anybody take your hope. No matter what they teach in school, young people, hold on to your hope. 
No matter what mistakes you have made, ask God for the mercy and grace and salvation and rescue and the righteousness of Christ. Keep hope alive. Let's leave here with hope. Meaning we're going to make it by God's grace. Now what about you who are not already a part of God's commandment keeping people? Maybe you heard about the Sabbath and the commandments or you used to be a member of the church and you'd like to renew your consecration or come for the first time. Is there such a one here today? Raise your hand and the gates are open to welcome you into the stronghold today. Join us, prisoners of hope. Anybody want to flee? Flee the darkness of sin? Flee from your addictions? Turn ye to the stronghold, ye prisoners of hope. Father in heaven, we thank you for Jesus and for the hope that he has brought to the human race. May every one of us here standing keep our eyes fixed on him, not on each other, not even on the events of the day. May we primarily keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And may we be diligent readers of the word. Lord, we'll never make it unless we read and study. Help us to read and study to be fixed with the word. And as we give faith a chance, and faith issues into hope. May we be proud prisoners of hope till thou shalt come a call. And we thank you for hearing us. Let all the people say, Amen. 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 Shall we be seated?